Welcome back to the Two Men Wall Podcast. This is Match Week Six. I am Braden. I'm here with my ever so, ever so psychic brother, Ethan. Yeah, happy to be here. Maybe not thrilled with the result, but I'll be happy to talk about it. <laughs> and this week, like Ethan mentioned, we had a couple of really nice fixtures. North London Derby, our first absolute thumping of the season. Um, our biggest thumping of the season, certainly. We've had some thumpings, but this one certainly the most prominent. And uh, Chelsea losing again, Brighton winning again, United getting a goal getting a couple goal couple <laughs> getting ahead of myself one goal um and a win against burnley for uh city winning again everton getting yeah. a win that's big that's luton town getting their line. first point so a lot of good stuff to talk about this week but before we get into that there's been some drama at napoli over in the italian league not exactly our area uh our domain of coverage should i say um, but certainly worth talking about and definitely a funny slash interesting situation going on there. So, Ethan, you want to walk us through that? Yeah. Uh, to get the pot kicked off, we always like to talk about whatever shenanigans is going on in the football world. And this certainly falls into that category. So, Napoli over the weekend had a disappointing nil-nil draw away at Bologna, a draw in which Star striker Victor Ozyman, uh missed a penalty far right. And Napoli's TikTok account, which I have to say, is usually very funny. Like, they've had a couple bangers. A lot of... <laughs> most of them... Most of the soccer TikTok accounts have been good recently. Yeah. I think. Well, good. They're just like... By good, I mean, like, they have shifted their target market to the uh-huh. younger generation. <laughs> especially on TikTok, and they just started, like, making fun of other teams slash mm-hmm. players. So, and it's, it's like, it's cool to yeah. see. It's, it's teetering on the edge a little bit, but it's cool to see. Anyway, I, I interrupt. And this one certainly pushed way over the edge, as we'll get into. So, Nap- Napoli, I'd say, on TikTok are one of the forefathers of uh, soccer clubs kind of just getting into, like, this, like, trolling kind of... Uh, mm-hmm trend gen z oriented content exactly but they certainly crossed the line here because they've trolled their own striker (laughs) they they use the um first of all i hate this sound just in general they use like the uh like the pessy uh Um, like, yeah. give me penalty, please. Like, <laughs> like they like the high pitch one. They use that sound for yeah. uh the Aussie man penalty, and unsurprisingly, Aussie man was not too happy with his own club's TikTok account, uh, memeing him after missing a potentially game winning penalty, and he's gone so far as to potentially file a lawsuit against Napoli. <laughs> According to his agent, uh, his agent has said that uh, Aussie men was furious after seeing it and that, you know, he you know, struggled enough after the disappointing result. Um, so, yeah, just big kind of shit show going on there. Um, do you think, like, there's any actual, like, case here for a lawsuit? I mean, like, if there is, then they there's a lot of clubs that have a lot of apologizing yeah. to do. Um, was it a dumb TikTok? Yeah, it was. Like, I should mention that it was deleted the, like a couple, a couple hours yeah, after yeah. it was released, but belatedly. Um, God, I hate diving into shit like this. <laughs> <laughs> it really, they're really. This is what the world really should be diving now. into it. <laughs> we really should just be saying it happened and moving on, but like, why not at this point? Um, they're just, he's just gonna f- sue a 23 year old <laughs> social media admin just because he tried to, you know, make Napoli fans laugh after a disappointing game. Like, I don't know, have some thick skin, seriously. Like, Josh Dobbs went out, responded to a Micah Parsons like podcast clip this week after beating the Cowboys. Like, <laughs> That's the way it should be, you know? Just take it and throw it. You don't need to, like, 
get your lawyers involved. Like, come on. Was it was it distasteful? Probably. Like, he probably should be frustrated, but, like, just, you know, maybe give a slap on the wrist to the social media admin and say, you know, don't do that again. I'm sure, I'm sure their TikTok has been, is one of the more followed of the Syria clubs mm. because of how, you know, like, a, uh, you know, what's the angsty they've been and, you know, aggressive with their, uh, their, their TikTok, you know, trolling. So like it's gotten them far enough, you know, at you teeter on the line at some point, naturally you're, you're going to fall over that line. And, uh, unfortunately they have a star striker with on un- reasonably thin skin. So, so be it. That's my take. Well, at least we're discussing the important things in the world of soccer right now. <laughs> this, this is critical. This is of the essence. We're, we're bringing you the important stuff here. At least we're not talking about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey like the rest of the oh, world. Oh, yeah. So now, shifting to Taylor Swift and Travis oh. Kelsey. <laughs> How does this affect Messi and Ronaldo's legacy? <laughs> um, yeah, no. I'm actually upset that I even brought that up on my own podcast. Um, anyway, we have much less important things to talk about, like match week six. Let's get right into it. Starting off, or match week five, I should say. Match week six and that's week. This is match week five. Uh, no, it's not. This is match week six. Somebody put match week five on our note sheet and screwed me up. This is match week six. Anyway, there's only two of us and it wasn't me. So <laughs> somebody put match week five on the, on, the, on the note sheet. Anyway, match week six coverage starting off with Chelsea nil, Aston Villa one. The only goal coming from, I believe it was Ollie Watkins. In the 64th? Let me fact check myself. I think it was a bit but later than that. Was like it? Maybe like 72nd, 73rd? Um, it was the 73rd. Well done. Uh, that came after a 58th minute Malagusta red card. Ethan, red card or not a red card? Um, not a red card. Um, no chance. I was surprised that there weren't as many um, complaints from the Chelsea players and... Uh, the commentators also seem to be on board with the red card. Personally, I think that this is a case of, you know, it's a studs up, it's a studs up challenge. Technically, yes, his studs are up, but he hasn't gone in with that much force. It's a moderate amount of force in the challenge. He didn't get a really running start. Um, he got the ball first, like undeniably got the ball first, and his foot wasn't even that high. It was about ankle height maybe mm-hmm. it's a firm yellow for me but i think it's i see it a bit too many times where as soon as the ref sees a studs up challenge like that's it that's a red card like there has to be enough mm-hmm. force behind it it has to be dangerous for me it's just not a dangerous challenge i think it looks bad because genius mm-hmm. ankle kind of twists a little bit but like it's not the player's fault mm-hmm. how the opposition player mm-hmm. plants his foot um, this really isn't a red card for me. Um, I think Chelsea bit unlucky here, actually. Yeah, I think this is part of the Premier League's initiative to protect the players a little bit more. Uh, obviously, they make their money on their stars staying healthy, and when you let challenges like these go, it incentivizes dangerous challenges. However, I agree with you that this is not the kind of challenge that that rule is looking to eradicate. There are certainly uh, some more vicious and stud-showing tackles and certainly less successful tackles that should be deemed red cards, certainly not upgraded, because I don't think this was a straight red. They had to go to the VAR to then upgrade it. That that one is confusing, because I think if you give red and then go and send it up to the booth, and they say it's not clear and obvious overturn. I don't think anyone's disagreeing with that, but to upgrade this is, again, it's just that consistency that we're all looking for from VAR that we're just not getting uh, on a consistent basis. And, hey, look, I am one to enjoy Chelsea suffering, (laughs) and even I will say that this is a little bit unjust. Um, The result, however... Probably more just considering what Chelsea 
missed on the day. They, I'm not going to say on the day, on the season mm-hmm. so far. They simply cannot put the ball in the net, Ethan, and it's concerning. It's I said it was concerning before, but I think we're we should start to upgrade that adjective a little bit because it's more like damning at this point. Yeah, like at what point do we say this team is no longer able to finish rather than in a slump? I'd say we've reached that point by now. This is a full-on crisis. There is, there's a certain period of time where a team can't score or is not scoring much. You say, all right, well, the goals are coming. Again, in the positions, the goals are coming. But this Chelsea team just can't put the ball in the net. They've won every single game this year thus far on expected goals. Every game. Wild, City the is way. the only other team in the Premier League to have done that. And Chelsea have not scored in their last three games. Their players simply can't put the ball in the net. Not aren't putting the ball in the net. They can't. They're just not good at it. And it's as simple as that. I don't know where the goals are coming from because Chelsea have proven that they just can't score goals because they've been in time and time and time again, and they're just not finishing. Nicholas Jackson. Besides finishing, has had a great start to the season, in my opinion. He's looked really good, really sure. lively, always making runs in behind. He's a nightmare for defenses until he swings his boot at the net. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> goals happen to be somewhat significant in determining the outcomes of matches. Um, in case can argue with that. In case Chelsea were not yet aware, um. Yeah, it's a it's a full blown crisis at this point. Chelsea didn't play bad. They they really didn't. They created more chances than Villa in this game. They weren't phenomenal, but they need they should be getting more out of these games. And when I say these games, if you look at the teams they've played, I mean Villa's a decent side, but if you look at the games coming up, besides Burnley Chelsea will play a team that finished in the top half last season all the way until December 6th. Like, they're playing... Yikes. They've already played Liverpool, but other than that, they're playing every other team in the Big Six. They're playing Brighton. They're playing Newcastle as well. Like, they're in 14th, and the worst is yet to come. Um, I'd say by the end of this run of games, when they play United on December 6th, I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea are exactly where they are now. I could genuinely see Chelsea in, where are they now, 14th by the end of this round of games? Yeah, I mean, the good news is is that maybe Nkunku solves these issues. And how far away is Nkunku? Four to six months. I think it was four to six months. I'm looking up injury updates right now. Uh, this is a month ago. Injury update. Uh, undergone operation, begin re- rehabilitation. Probably at least a month out. They probably won't even see him until the end of that run. Yeah. So it's Nicholas Jackson for the foreseeable future. Or um, Armando Broja, who... I think Chelsea fans are optic optimistic about just because they haven't seen him play mm-hmm. very much. And he played like decent when like the four games that he played before he got re-injured. Um, but at this point, if you're a Chelsea fan, they I mean they have so many players. Like they have so many new players. Like has Lavi even stepped on the field for this team? I don't think so, no. I think he's injured or something. So like at this point, there's re- the the thing I'd be optimistic about is you, there's a lot of players who you haven't seen play. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe they could be good, you know? Because the players that are playing right now are certainly not. So, this is- the, the big <laughs> mystery box of players you have on your bench, you know, maybe you pop up like Mario and you get a, you know, fiery This just brings back Romeo so Lavia. many memories of the Arsenal banter era where we'd, like, sign, like, a new center back who wasn't proven at all, but we're, like... Just like hyping up so much, yeah, Pablo Mari, Mavropanos, <laughs> like you could just keep listing them off and off, just because they hadn't proven that they were shit yet. Like, <laughs> exactly. the, like, and that, and 
that's how you know you're in a banter era, era where you're excited for a player, <laughs> not because like he is genuinely looks promising, but just because he hasn't proven that he's bad yet. <laughs> he has not been bad yeah. yet. That is already your top five. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, Chelsea are in a bad spot right now. Aston Villa, on the other hand, nice run of form. Um, they get Brighton this week in a pretty tasty fixture. They sit currently sixth, two points behind Arsenal in fifth. So, European football, their games last week, I'm not even sure they did. I think they drew, um, like 3 3 or something they like may that. Have lost, Don't actually. fact check me on that, but yeah, they, uh, I think Brighton lost. Brighton lost and I think Villa lost. Villa may too. Have drawn. I believe maybe I don't know, but they ha- that hasn't slowed down the Premier League campaign because they are doing pretty well so far, sitting above Newcastle, above United, above West Ham in sixth, uh, four wins in their last five. So, you know, a team that got battered on opening day has recovered pretty nicely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, you, you assumed they would. There are a couple of nice signings. Pau Torres took a little bit to settle in. Um, Ollie Watkins scored somehow scored his first Premier League goal this week. I feel like he scored plenty. Maybe he just set him up or yeah, he's had a, couple, he's had know, a lot of assists. Actually, I think he was, thus far, yeah, yeah. Um, but they haven't even got the best out of him yet. Um, but Diaby's been great. Uh, Bailey's not even getting on the field to start the game. He's more of a super sub at this point. Yeah, they've point. got great bench depth um, too. I mean, but, Tielemans and Jacob yeah. Ramsey, both you know, quality players. You know, coming off the bench for him, it kind of just goes to show. Uh, this Villa team is, you know, for real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And John McGinn and Zaniolo started this game and they got the win at, uh, at Sanford bridge. So yeah. Den Donker, Jacob Ramsey, Bailey, Yon Duran, who scored a banger two, a couple of weeks ago. Callum Chambers coming off the bench. Did you know <laughs> that claim on Longley played for this team? Bet you didn't. Yeah, I did not. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. Oh, <laughs> Uh, that doesn't necessarily help them, but uh, I think uh, Tyron Mings is out with an injury, a pretty significant one. Yeah, if I yeah, he's out. For remember season, correctly, pretty much. Um, which sucks because that's their that's their club yeah. captain. So, um, not only does that, you know, weaken the quality, but certainly a locker room figure that they're missing. But you know, nothing to really complain about from Aston Villa. Kind of best of the rest right now. Um, maybe Brighton too, but uh, maybe this week. Maybe we should throw that in the uh. Premier League predictions yeah. for next week. A lot of good fixtures. Moving swiftly along, Arsenal 2, Spurs 2, another very dramatic North London derby. I feel like whenever Spurs come to town, it's it's always something crazy is going to happen. The days of the 1-0 with the Harry Kane penalties are gone. <laughs> um, I really thought we'd have it this time, and this, for sure. I mean, without like the and... automatic going 1-0 down. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the good thing about Kane leaving is that he can no longer score penalties in North London derbies. Yeah. <laughs> like, for the foreseeable future, which is nice. Um, but, of course, we hand it to Ethan for banging this one on the nose. Two to two. I said nil-nil. That was silence <laughs> in 15 swift minutes by a Christian Romero Ungol who took the, you know, toilet pole player of the match <laughs> on the day. He was pretty horrendous. Um, you know, Jorginho threw his hat in the ring, but couldn't quite get, um, exactly to the level of Romero on the day, but he kicked it off in the 26, it wasn't 15, it was 26 minutes. Um, and then Hyungman's son right before the break in the 42nd, a Bukayo Saka penalty from a not called, but then VAR handball that seemed pretty obvious. I yeah. mean, that ball was headed likely for the net, if not for, was it Romero that slapped it out of the air? Yeah. Or is it somebody else? No, it was Romero who gave away the pen. Yeah. Um, he, had, he had the defender then, nightmare brace where it's, you know, obviously the hat trick is <laughs> own goal penalty given away and red, red card, card <laughs> which, uh, you know, I mean, that's David Luiz heritage right there. But uh, yeah. Romero, Romero was on his way. I thought he was going to do it. Um, I thought red card was probably the easiest but, of those three for Romero. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, after the Bukayo Saka penalty, Georgina wasted no time. Agent Jorginho, as Chelsea fans like to call him, um, giving the ball away in the midfield, leading to a 2v1 attack. Madison and Son. Madison slips at the Son, who calmly dispatches it for 2-2, and that's how it would end. 
at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal losing on possession at home to Tottenham was very interesting, very unspurs-like, another testament to just how different this team is. Very similar players, extremely different brand of football under Ange than we saw under Conte or the football terrorists that were at the club <laughs> after Conte. I don't even, can't even remember their names. But, they're <laughs> um, but I'm sure Tottenham fans would like to have them washed from memory um, because of how well this team is playing. And again, you know, even with that battering of PSV midweek, a lot of people said Arsenal would kind of roll through this game playing really good football. No Trossard, no Martinelli, no Timber, obviously, no Party. Uh, and then Rice coming off injured at halftime was brutal. He wasn't playing fantastic, mm -hmm. um, but he losing a player like that in the midfield is not very good, especially without Party uh, as their primary backup. But having to play Jesus off the left wing, the first time I think he's ever played off the left, I certainly started off the for left. Arsenal. Maybe he's, he's been moved he's there, played there a bit yeah. for City, but oh yeah, for for City he started there for a mm -hmm. whole season, but. Um, I'm talking about for, yeah. for Arsenal, he, he really wasn't bought to play there and, you know, have them bring on Havertz at halftime really didn't help. Um, and Ketia kind of ghosted in this game. Saka obviously had to pick up the slack. Um, but you know, credit to Spurs for coming into enemy territory, a place that they haven't won, haven't even gotten a point in three years. And, you know, scraping together a 2-2 draw game that they very easily could have won. Yeah, yeah. I said in the predictions podcast that if Spurs won this game, they would, you know, prove to me that they were the real deal. Um, they didn't win this game, but they certainly proved to me that this team are genuine top four contenders. And right now probably would be expected to finish top four based on the way, you know, some of the yep. other sides are playing right now. Um, yeah, this was a really, really impressive Spurs performance. Like you said, to go into the Emirates and play this brand of soccer, they had one or two buildups where they just tore through the Arsenal press, and I was like, damn, just had to tip my cap to them. Um, because they're playing a just much more risky but entertaining brand of soccer, and it's risky, but you could tell, you know, the Spurs players, I mean, they're high-quality players. They were just lacking kind of the confidence to play in that manner under, you know, Conte and then the Stellini era uh, after Conte. Mm -hmm. what, a, yeah. what a time that was. Um, but they have the quality to play this way, and Postacoglu's just gotten the best out of his players. And they somewhat subdued the Emirates crowd. I mean, for a North London derby, you expect the Emirates to just be absolutely rocking. And... It was a good atmosphere, but Spurs, you know, they kept a lot of the ball. They didn't really allow Arsenal to be authoritative in the game. Arsenal had spells of decent possession. Arsenal never looked really out of control of the game, but never necessarily in total control. They never had long periods of pressure that really got, like, the crowd riled up. And I think that really worked to Spurs' advantage, just to be able to subdue that crowd and keep the pressure off of them in a way. Um, the loss of Rice, um, like you mentioned, was very big. He didn't have a great first half, but I mean, the swap was Jorginho for Rice, and I think that had tangible consequences in the game, to say the least. Yeah. Um, and you also mentioned the injuries. Now, Rice, Trossard, Martinelli, Party, Timber, and now Saka may not even play against Bournemouth. Um, are Arsenal in an in injury crisis here? <laughs> I mean, when are when aren't Arsenal in an injury crisis? Like last year was honestly a statistical anomaly. If you have been following Arsenal for a long period of time, like I have, um, in years past we lose players left and right, and we've never had the depth, and we've finished in Europa League places. That's kind of how it works. Um, lose Aubameyang for periods of time, lose Lacazette for periods of time, lose Ozil for periods of time, lose you know, Bellerin to ACL injuries. Like, it just, it's just the way it is. Uh, ACL injuries, it's mostly ACL injuries, which, you know, we've had one this season in Timber. But, um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because, obviously, these are players that we need. <laughs> um, 
it's fortunate, I guess, it's not Odegaard. Yeah. Um, because if we lost Odegaard, then I think uh, a lot of goes to shit. Mm. If I'm not gonna lie, if I'm <clears throat> being honest, because it's then it's Vieira or it's Havertz, and Vieira's played well, but like it's uh, I don't. I don't trust this team without Odegaard. Yeah. Simply not. It's not even Vieira or Havertz's fault. Like I don't trust this team without Odegaard. Odegaard is, in my opinion, the best player in this team. And when you lose your best player, like this, this isn't Man City. This isn't like a Gundogan, Fernandinho, Rodri, Man City. Like this team ticks with Odegaard. And you know, obviously, hypothesize Odegaard's perfectly healthy. Thank God. But um. Yes, Saka will be dearly missed. Trossard was dearly missed on Sunday. Uh, Party was dearly missed on Sunday because we had to play Jorginho in that role instead of him. Um, but, you know, lick your wounds, move on. Uh, sitting four points behind City right now, six games into the season, is not ideal. However, you do have City at the Emirates in a couple of weeks. You have time to make amends, time to get Rice back, time to get Saka healthy, time to get Trossard healthy, time to get Martinelli healthy. Uh, Tim Rowe will be back for a while, but um, I think we can make do without him for now. But Tottenham Hotspur, on the other hand, I would be surprised if, granted everybody stays healthy, especially Madison, I would be surprised if they don't get top four at this point. Because these guys are buzzing and they still have a January transfer window to strengthen but they're finding quality in places that it there wasn't last season it's not just Madison Basuma's been great uh Van Deveen they found over the summer he's been great um like uh Udogi's been good he did get cooked by Sokka this game uh, but to be fair he's not gonna have to face Sokka every week and he is a more offensive minded fullback um you're getting production out of guys like Papa Sar. You're getting uh, Prime Youngman Son back, which we did not see for uh, the majority of the 38 game season last year. But what do you have? Like less than 10 goals in the, in the league, which is goals. criminal for, for Youngman Son. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. that's criminal for Youngman mm-hmm. Son. He's, he's a world class goal yeah. scorer. Um, Kulishevsky was injured for all of last season. He's come back and been great. Like, this is this is a fantastic football team right now, and they are getting everything they deserve in terms of points. Um, and they will continue to do that for the foreseeable future. Granted, no injuries, even without Harry Kane, which is remarkable to lose a piece like that and still be playing. And shouldn't say still and upgrade your game, you know, six sevenfold is remarkable. And and what well, I said. Andrew's a question mark coming in. That's that wasn't unfair. He was a question mark coming in, but he has done everything and more for this club so far. And without Champions League, without any European football, their sights will be firmly set on the league and top four. And I can't see if everyone stays healthy why that wouldn't be achievable. Yeah, definitely the future is bright for Tottenham. And I feel like before we move on, there is just one more man we should talk about. And that is David Raya, who sure. has now cemented himself as the first choice goalkeeper for Arsenal. This is not just rotation. All but cemented, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, when he started the game against Everton, yeah, we we talked about we figured it's just rotation. Um Ramsdale will play in the Champions League. <coughs> and then David Raya started in the Champions League game. And now Davaraya has started in Arsenal's biggest game of the season against their North London rivals. Raya has firmly cemented himself as the starter, and he had a phenomenal save in this game to show for it uh, against Brennan Johnson. Um, just really shocking turn of events, kind of. From out of nowhere, I mean, you expect a goalkeeper competition mm. between Ramsdale and Raya. Uh, both really high-quality goalkeepers. Many would argue that Raya is the better goalkeeper. The statistics favor David Raya. But I don't think anybody could have seen such a swift 
uh, transition happened so quickly in the goalkeeper position. Yeah, it must have been a training thing, honestly. And Arteta values training a lot. And because, like, Ramsdale wasn't having any poor performances necessarily. He's been, hasn't been, like, standout, but he's been fine. Yeah. Like, he's been, you know, classic Ramsdale. And he, just like that, got swiped up and placed on the bench for Davariya. And nobody really could understand why. And now, of course, it's clear why. Because Davariya is more on form than a decently performing Aaron Ramsdale. And that had to be from training. And, you know, credit to Arteta. Like, that is difficult to see in training. But he's. this is what the great managers do. They make the right moves. and. God, God knows what would have happened in that game if we didn't have Davariah. Obviously, Ramsdale, very good shot stopper, but like that save was incredible. I think one thing Raya is very good at is anticipation. If you see uh, on his crosses, he is way out of the six on those crosses. He's, he, when, when those wingbacks go in for crosses, he is like attacking yeah. the ball before it's even kicked. He is way out there, and I think that... Um, that's a big differentiator from Ramsdale because Ramsdale has been, that's kind of been one of his bugaboos is that he's not exactly commanding in his box. I remember that one against Aston Villa that kind of snuck in on him from the corner that he's a good, really good shot stopper, but commanding his box, he's not the strongest. And especially against Everton fucking cross FC. It was very, very clear that Raya, that was one of Raya's strong points. Obviously, Rye very good with his feet, too. Ramsdale getting there as well. Yeah, I mean, I was, con- I was curious about the substitution. Obviously, I trusted the manager, but I was curious about the substitution at first, but now it's clear uh, why he did- made that move. And for the foreseeable future, I'm pretty comfortable with that guy in that. But we move swiftly along to the last game we're going to cover this week. Sheffield United nil. Newcastle United 8 Ocho. See if I can do this in all one breath. Longstaff in the 21st. Burn in the 31st. Fen Bottman in the 35th. Cal Molson in the 56th. Anthony Gordon in the 61st. Miguel Almiron in the 68th. Bruno Gamaris in the 73rd. And Alexander Isaac in the 87th. Finishes out the game. 8-0 away from home at Bromel Lane. Wow. For a team that is typically defensive-minded and wins games on their clean sheets alone, historically, wasn't the clean sheet that won this one. <laughs> it was definitely the offense, and the first time in Premier League history, not the first time in Premier League history that eight's been dropped on someone, but the first time in Premier League history that eight different goal scores in a Premier League match has happened. And that is quite remarkable, because, you know, eight, di- eight different goal scores for City, plausible. Holland, Alvarez, Foden, Grealish, Gunduan in years past. Rodri gets a goal every game. Like De Bruyne, you can find eight goal scorers in that team. Dan Byrne, Sean Longstaff, Sven Botman, <laughs> damn near the whole back line got a goal. Yeah. Like, this is, this is a pretty, I mean, for as unlikely as an 8 0 is, this is as unlikely as, of an 8 0 as humanly possible. But. Champions League football has not slowed this team down, Ethan. Yeah, no. Newcastle just score when they want, don't they? Just dropped a cheeky <laughs> five on a very good Aston Villa side. A Villa side who have been yeah. in, in phenomenal form since that loss. And then, yep. you know, they got shut out by City, scored one against 10-man Liverpool at home, you know, scored one against Brighton. In a loss, scored one against Brentford in a one no win, and then they just felt like, you know, turn on the style of this game. Just dropped eight on Sheffield United's heads, just like that. I mean, again, they just kind of choose whenever they want to pop the fuck off, and they certainly <laughs> felt like it today. Um, some of this Sheffield United defending should face legal consequences, though. Um, <laughs> Like, Wilson's goal, he was just strutted into the six-yard box, completely yeah. unmarked. Um, Almiron's goal made a run from so deep. There were six Sheffield United players 
way in front of him by the when the ball was played. Just some really, really god awful defending. Not even championship defending. This is non league defending. Um, and it's really surprising considering that Sheffield United have hung in games with both City and Spurs this season. It took a miracle comeback from Spurs yeah. to get all three points over Sheffield United. And Sheffield United only lost 2-1 to City. They you know, were tied in the game after an equalizer for like three minutes. Um, and it's their first loss by more than a goal this season. So going into it, I mean, were they favored? Hell no. But you wouldn't have expected a demolition like this. Certainly not. So, yeah, I mean, they're sitting rock bottom of the Premier League right now. They're winless, just like the other promoted clubs, Luton and Burnley. Uh, it's not it's not looking good for the newbies. Yeah, uh, this is a team that I pegged to be relegated. Um, certainly, they're proving me right so far. Uh, all three newly promoted clubs currently sit on one point. In the relegation zone, two points off Bournemouth in 17th. So maybe it was just a weak year in the championship. You ever think about that? Maybe <laughs> maybe this year, maybe Burnley was just beating up on some shitty ass teams because I don't, Burnley, I mean, we haven't got to Burnley. Burnley have been atrocious as well. Yeah. If not for this battering, they would have sat bottom with the worst goal difference in the league, Burnley, that being not Sheffield. But the last time Sheffield were in the Premier League, they almost came close to breaking the lowest points ever record. And they're well on their way this year as well to challenging that title. This is a team that will probably change their manager at some point. This is a performance that is absolutely 100% always on the manager. Never on the players. 8-0 is a tactical thing. If you are a team in the Premier League, you have enough talent to not lose 8-0. It is your tactics that set you up for absolute and utter failure. Those last four goals are on player demoralization, uh, but that, that... I don't even know if demoralization is a word, but you know what I, you know what I meant. Sounds like a like, new word. It, it should be, if it <laughs> isn't. Um, but, again, 8-0 is ridiculous and that is on the manager and you know i wouldn't be surprised if his days are numbered <clears throat> and with that we will move swiftly along to some matches from around the grounds starting off with manchester city 2 nottingham forest nil city get the job done at home despite a rodery red card in the 46 minute which removes him from the arsenal game at emirates stadium yeah in just a few weeks. Big ups for Arsenal. Arsenal will be out probably without some more crucial players, but it's nice to know that City are without one of theirs as well. Uh, but before that happened, Foden in the 7th and Erling Haaland in the 14th got them out to an early 2-0 lead, and they never looked back, sealing all three points and sitting atop the league, 18 points from a possible 18. It's just what they do. Crystal Palace, nil. Fulham, nil. If you didn't watch this game, don't worry <laughs> about it. Uh, didn't need to. These teams sit 10th and 11th, dead smack in the middle of the table. And that was pretty much how this game played. No goals to separate. Is this the most mid teams game playing. in Premier League history? Two <laughs> teams in as mid-table as possible play a nil-nil draw. <laughs> The mid-off, <laughs> the great mid-off, as it will be known as Crystal Palace versus Fulham. I really am done talking <laughs> about this game, to be completely honest. They've got a point. Uh, another game that I really wouldn't, won't talk about for a while. But however, it was Luton Town's first point. Luton Town won, Wolves won, uh, a Pedro Neto goal in the 50th minute, and a Carlton Morris penalty in the 65th uh, seceded a Belagarde. Jean Rich, Rich is definitely a French person. Jean Richner <laughs> Bellegarde, 37th, 39th minute red card. Uh, Pedro Neto giving, that, giving the 10 men a 1 0 advantage before Kyle Morris, Carlton Morris's 65th minute penalty. Equalize 
giving Luton Town their first points of the season, their first ever points in the Premier League. Uh, and it would finish 1-1 at Kenilworth Road. Brentford 1, Everton 3. Everton get three points away from home at Brentford, which is a game that I can't really say I pegged them to win. However, Abdullah Decore in the 6th, followed by a Mateus Jensen equalizer in the 28th, then a James Tarkowski, what would be winner in the 67th, followed by a DCL insurance goal in the 71st, 3-1 the final. And how about Everton? Six shots, 18 shots, six on target. 18 shots from Everton. <laughs> Have they turned a corner? I mean, this is, this is a Brentford team that, you know, they're not without players. Mbomo, Visa, all played. Like, uh, they're, out, they're out, obviously, Rico Henry, who, you know, tore his ACL. That's brutal. But is that really what the difference maker for this team? Like, this is a Brentford team that was putting in some very solid performances. You know, getting a weak Everton team at home that just lost a demoralizing game to, uh, heartbreaking, I should say, lost to uh, Arsenal after defending for so long. Pick themselves up by their bootstraps and go into Brentford and get a win. Congratulations. That is one heck of a victory. Certainly a Sean Dyche mentality there. Yeah, no, not an easy three points at all. Um, it was a somewhat depleted Brentford squad. You mentioned Rico Henry, also uh, Kevin Shada. Uh, was injured in the warm-ups as well. Shada, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that doesn't take away from uh, very valuable three points for Everton. And trust me, they will be valuable, these points, by the end of the season. Yes. <laughs> Burnley nil. Manchester United won. Manchester United back in the win column after a decent period of time. It was a Bruno Fernandes goal in the 45th minute. A pretty sweet one at that. First time volley from who else but Johnny Evans. We got to talk about this um, Johnny Evans masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a dialogue. I mean, he had a goal taken away from him and decided to create one instead. I mean, signing of the season at this point. What more can you say? <laughs> uh, nonetheless, uh, 62% possession for Burnley. Are you not embarrassed? <laughs> Seriously, 62% possession from Burnley. I, I reckon Man City wouldn't be getting 62% possession against United. That is a ridiculous statistic. Just, that is football terrorism at its finest. Eric Ten Hag, get your shit together. Maybe it was a masterclass, I don't know, but three points is three points, as they say, and we keep moving. I believe... It is uh, Palace at home next week for United. Hopefully, I can keep that going. Liverpool 3, West Ham 1. Liverpool, a team that is heating up quickly, uh, certainly on offense. Uh, Mo Salah penalty in the 16th, a pretty stonewall one at that. Uh, then Jared Bone equalizer in the 42nd. Then a Darwin Nunez 60th minute goal that was 1 for. The highlight reel, a first-time volley from an over-the-top ball that was not an easy finish. Darwizzi starting to heat up. Haters going to hate. Don't let Darwizzi find his form because Dar- <laughs> then it's over. <laughs> and then Diogo Jota with the insurance goal in the 85th sees this finish 3-1 at Anfield. Uh, pretty dominant performance here from Liverpool over a West Ham team that has given some people trouble. Uh, went up one nothing at home against City last week. Um, so city and Liverpool topping the table once again, is that something we should be getting used to this year? Um, somewhat, uh, Liverpool looking to, I mean, they're on a bit of a resurgence right now. This midfield rebuilds looking good for them, but I definitely expect a bit of rotation in around the top of the table. Chances are city are Mm going to be first for a good portion of the season if not you know the rest (laughs) let's be honest it probably will be the rest but you know let's be hopeful it's six games in um but yeah you can expect a lot of uh rotation in that second spot between liverpool arsenal even spurs i mean can't count them out right now so brighton three 
Bournemouth won to round out the match week. Uh, another three points for Brighton and Hull of Albion. Starts off with a dominant Solanke uh, opener in 25th minute um, at the Amex. Then it's a Milos Kirkes own goal. Kirkes own goal in the 45th plus two. Shortly after halftime, Kyra Matoma gets the go-ahead goal in the 46th, almost right from kickoff, and then gets the insurance goal in the 77th. Kyra Matoma back on the score sheet, back in form for my fantasy team. I need that <laughs> desperately. Um, and it would finish 3-1 at the Amex. This is another Brighton-like performance, 62% possession, uh, dominating the XG. Sees them beating a weak Bournemouth team at home. That's been they're turning into one of these teams that just gets the job done. They currently sit third above Tottenham Hotspur and a point above Tottenham Hotspur at that on 15 through a possible 18. And that that loss was against a good Newcastle team. So you cannot even with European football this year, you cannot discount what Brighton is doing on the pitch. No, definitely not. Uh, Brighton just. Continue to churn out South American wonder kids and three points. So it's <laughs> a great formula. <laughs> and that will round out our match week six coverage for this week. We will move swiftly along to some match week seven coverage, starting off with one of, I'm going to say three. We put two here. But let's go for three quick runs. We'll start off with. Spurs hosting Liverpool, two very hot teams, not named City or Arsenal. Ethan, what do you got? Yeah, yeah, definitely a very enticing matchup here. Um, a matchup that I'd expect goals from. Um, Spurs with their new and improved style of football, high risk, high reward, should be getting a goal or two against this Liverpool press that will be very high and exposing themselves. But with the risky football that Spurs do play, Liverpool certainly will get their chances when they do press successfully. So expect a lot of goals in this one. But I'm going to say that Liverpool actually take this one 3-2 away from home. Wow. Um, I think this is going to be the match of the season. I think that this is going to be like 5-3 or something. Like, I am pretty confident that neither of these teams are going to play defense. Just, I think <clears throat> Mo Salah is really hot right now, and Spurs just went into the Emirates and cooked. So I'm going to say... Four two Spurs. Youngman son hat trick. Damn, not making the mistake of calling a nil nil again. <laughs> no, this this one. If this is a nil nil, I will. I'll be. I can go. I'll go fully naked <laughs> on the next podcast. If this is a nil nil. Um. Well, now I have something to root for, which is not really <laughs> much of a forfeit. Yeah, <laughs> not really much of a forfeit considering the nature of audio, but uh. You know, in spirit. And prediction number two, we have Aston Villa hosting Brighton. The two best of the rest non-big sixes, should I say. Two very hot teams. Should be a very, very nice fixture here. What do you got? Yeah, always exciting when you get two teams who you know, don't have the you know, quite the stature of the big six, but still have the squad quality and still play that exciting brand of soccer. And you're looking at another really good game here. Uh, Villa at home, though, I just have to give the edge to. But once again, expect goals. I'm going to say 3-2 Villa in this one. Uh, 3-1 Villa, actually. I'm going to go with a stern 1-1. I think it's going to be Evan Ferguson in the 55th, Musa Diaby in the 68th, and that'll be that. I think it'll be very back and forth in the first half. Aston Villa will probably have the, just the better chance. Uh, 
you know, Watkins brings one off the crossbar, something like that. And then start the second half, Brighton on the front foot, Evan Ferguson gets it from like a corner kick scramble or something like that. And then uh, Diaby on the counterattack, 1-1, that's how it'll end. And then our last prediction of the week, El Shitico. <laughs> Arguably the two worst teams in the league, although Sheffield would have something to say about that. <laughs> Luton Town versus Burnley at Kenilworth Road. What do you got in this game? Um, <laughs> I think Burnley are going to finally show the quality that they showed in the championship. They've had a poor, they've had a <laughs> underwhelming start to the season, but let's not forget about the teams they've played against. They've had to face Man City. Aston Villa, Manchester United, uh, Spurs, and uh, well, they played Nottingham Forest away. That's not the most insane matchup, but they did get a point out of that game. And the four other losses were United, Spurs, Villa, City. That was a brutal start to the season. And they're playing Luton. It's it's just looting. They're just not yeah. very good. Let's let's call it like it is. This is a very well disciplined Burnley side. They really should be taking all three points in this. I have a two 0 victory. Hmm. I'm gonna go one 0 I think two? that's <laughs> fair for. Uh, yeah. I think I'm gonna go one nil to Burnley. Uh, I think it's fair for uh for an L shit to go. I think one goal is plenty. <laughs> uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not get too ambitious. Um, one nil. That's fine. And that brings us to our final segment of the podcast. We're running a little bit long today, so we'll try to make this swift. In honor of the release of the new FIFA game, or should I say EAFC 24. I have heard nothing but bad reviews about it, as <laughs> per usual. And I don't personally play the game anymore, but I've been playing since FIFA, really since FIFA 12. Um, and that would make 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Last year was my 12th. This year, if I bought it, it would be my 13th year of the game. So I, I'm a bit of a veteran. Ethan, Ethan's up, getting up there too, probably seven, eight years in the game. So in, uh, we thought in honor of the release of FIFA, we would test Ethan's FIFA knowledge, but not the cards. We're talking about the soundtrack today, the iconic FIFA soundtrack. If you are, know anything about FIFA or have played it, you know that FIFA soundtracks are iconic. Any well-versed FIFA player could walk into a club and identify a FIFA song just like that. I could get it on the first few notes, and these are songs that I've, I haven't heard in six years. That's, that's how dedicated I am. I don't know if Ethan's the same way, but uh, I, yeah. I'll be, I'll be... I mean, just the, <laughs> just the other day, me and my roommate were getting uh, Qdoba, and they played uh, FIFA, a non-English FIFA song. I forget what it was. <laughs> but I I correctly uh, remember those from FIFA 20, so yeah, my I I, I back my knowledge in uh, FIFA songs. You will certainly need that knowledge today because here's how this will work. It is a little bit of Shazam, if you will. I'll be playing a song, and you will have to tell me, Ethan, what FIFA, what year FIFA soundtrack it came from. I have not included anything from FIFA 22 or FIFA 23. The earliest FIFA that is on here is FIFA 15, because I know that is the first FIFA that you played. FIFA 14, I don't think, was your... I think you picked it up in 15. Yeah, is, is that that's correct? correct. Mm. So I included... And the last couple of years, I think you've died off, so have I. So I tried to include the years that you dominated, for mm. the most part. I think that was the most fair way to do it. So, Ethan, I'm going to ask you to cover your... Uh, share screen, if you will, because that is the only way to play the song through your headphones as well. Yeah. So as you do that, I will pull up Spotify. We have seven songs for you today, Ethan. All right. I want, wanted to make an even number in case, in case you got close to the end. I will not tell you if you got it right until the end. 
Let me share my screen. I will share this. Ethan, you have it covered, yes? Yeah, I'm on a different tab. All right, cool. Song number one. What FIFA was this from? You can, I'll play it for as long as you want. I can't remember the name 15. of the song, but I know a FIFA 15 vibe when I hear it. <laughs> All right. There's just a feeling of FIFA. nostalgia that can only elicit some FIFA 15 part of my brain when I hear a certain song. FIFA 15 is the guess. Now it's going to look really bad if this is like 16. And maybe I should have listened to a bit more of it, but I'm still confident in the 15. We got to keep Song this moving. Song number two. So. <laughs> Song number two. Big dreams, big dreams. Rose on his own, but he's got big dreams. I've seen all the shit he's seen. Never had a daddy's only 15. All right, you can stop playing. Big dreams. Alright, who? Yeah, I mean, I recognize the song right away. That's. What? you said This goes up to 21? It is anywhere from FIFA 15 to FIFA 21. Oh. It's one of. I'd probably say 21 or 20. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with 20. FIFA 20. That is the guess. Could be as far back as 19, but I think 20. Song number three. 16. Yeah, 16. This is on my playlist. Big fan of this one. FIFA 16. Emergency. Quality song. Yeah. But this is FIFA 16. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know it was in the presence of greatness. <laughs> FIFA 16 is the guest. Song number four. We like this. Move it, move it quick. <laughs> I got a feeling that we got a chemistry. Give me what's on your mind. Telling me everything, but it ain't happening. Wish I could read your vibe. Making movements. Now I don't think you're looking for a new friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. This is probably the toughest one yet. I recognize the song, but. Hold on, let me get to the chorus. Alright, you can stop it. Damn, the definitely the toughest one so far. Um, just not, not a FIFA song I hear a lot. Oh, this could. There's a wide range for this one. Oh, I'm gonna go 19. Um, FIFA 19 is the guess. I really. It can't be one that's like. I feel like if it was 21 or 20, I'd just recognize it a bit easier. But yeah. Song number five. This is one that I think you will get. Personally, I think you'll get. Mm. Not to put pressure on you, but I think you'll get it. I don't feel pressure. Okay, yeah. Yeah, this is FIFA 17. Done? That's your guess? Yeah, that's the guess. Um, I'm a big two-door cinema club fan, so I really... I mean, I listened to this song, you know, regardless of whether or not it was in FIFA or not. Um, <laughs> I actually, at first, I remember because I originally thought that this song was from FIFA 15. Um, mm. But then doing a little 
deep dive. I actually found out it was from FIFA 17 um, a little bit back. So, yeah, I feel confident this is FIFA 17. Song number six. may have been helping this earlier yeah <laughs> yeah um good song very good song i think this is 21 21 is the guess could be 20 but i think 21 and finally question number seven song number seven i should say Another good song. Good song. Um, yeah, this one's 21. FIFA 21? Yeah, actually, I probably would have guessed 22 if we were going up to 22. Um, but yeah, this is, this is definitely a very recent one. So, yeah, 21. All right, I will stop sharing, and you can return. Okay, <clears throat> let's go through it. The first song that I played, I will play them again on the podcast, very briefly. Pause for uh, post-production, brain <laughs> play. That song was Tonight by Magic Man. You guessed FIFA 15. It was FIFA 15. Well done. It did have that FIFA 15 vibe. No, I, I know a FIFA 15 vibe when I hear it. Like, <laughs> I don't have to know the song. I just... I, I have the same <laughs> feeling. Every time I'm in... Every time... I, I've, like, done a couple of these. Uh -huh. Just, like, you know, with friends. Mm -hmm. And, like, every time I'm like, that's FIFA 15. Why? Because I... That's because it's FIFA 15. That's just the FIFA it's 15 soundtrack. It's just a vibe. Soundtrack. Yeah. I can... I'm staring... I'm staring at me with informed storage on the screen... And that's why I, it's FIFA 15. I can see it on the screen. I'm Inform Denny Welbeck. It's on the screen. Yeah, I'm staring at Inform <laughs> Yannick Bolassi. Exactly. That or Thompson. the orange link between Michael Laudrup and Martin Braithwaite because there's no icon <laughs> chemistry at that point. So I had to use Danish players. <laughs> it's amazing how the human brain works. Yep. The second song was this. Big Dreams. Big dream. That was Big Dreams by Bakar. Very good song. You guessed FIFA 20. That was FIFA 19. Ah, uh, you said 20 or 21. You could go. You said you could go far as back as far as FIFA 19. That was FIFA 19. Um, one of my favorite FIFA songs. Song three was this. That was Emergency by Icon of Poe. Pop. Icon of Pop. You said FIFA 16, bang on. That was FIFA 16. Yeah. No doubt about that one. Um, song four was this. That was Sway by Trove Sterk. Yeah, this one I have no idea. You guessed FIFA, you guessed FIFA 19. The answer was FIFA 19. Well done. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> Threw one out there and it landed. Song five was this. That was Are We Ready by the Two Door Cinema Club. You guessed FIFA 17. That was FIFA 17. Well done. Song six was this. That was Big Love by Lewis the Child and Earth Gang. Earth Gang, one of my favorite rap groups. You guessed FIFA 21. That was FIFA 21. Well done. So far, <laughs> five of six. And last but not least, Song seven was this. That was Runaway by Half Alive. You guessed FIFA 21. That was FIFA 20. Wow, really? Off by just one year. But you did say you thought it was FIFA 22, so. I, I, I want to put a FIFA 20 like song in there because recent. that was, FIFA 20 was, a, was pandemic FIFA. Mm. So, like, I feel like I was giving you, like, a little bit of, 
help there because it was it was a good one. But maybe yeah. maybe I, sh- no I should know my pandemic FIFA songs. Wow. Yeah. Um. But five of seven, nothing to sneeze at. That was. I mean, certainly the way you did it, uh, emergency. You got bang on. Uh, big love. You got after a couple sec, uh, like ten seconds. You said FIFA twenty one. Um, you sniped Sway in uh FIFA nineteen. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, you got FIFA fifteen vibe bang on. So hey, I I consider this a success. I don't know how you feel about that. No, I feel pretty good. Five or seven. Um, I mean, like there were there were a couple songs on there that aren't like obviously if you put like the top twenty greatest like FIFA songs, like yeah. I expect myself to get seven out of seven. Uh-huh. But you put you know some very good songs that aren't like you know way yeah. up in the charts. It's not like you put like Love Me Again or yeah, yeah like yeah. you know like John my type, ones, like ones that like, like yeah. Can't John Newman wants a fan if you don't yeah. know every single John Newman <laughs> yeah. song that's been on every single song. <laughs> I didn't put any Saint Motel on there. They they've dipped back into yeah. the Saint Motel uh, uh-huh. bargain bin a couple times. Um, but yeah, now if you even if you're not a FIFA fan, go on Spotify, look up FIFA soundtracks. You're just looking for new music, mm-hmm. new new bands, and they do a good job. The game itself yeah. terrible, but for some <laughs> reason the guys that got doing the <laughs> the FIFA soundtrack, yeah. they know their shit. So if you're ever looking for some new music, I would definitely look there first. Yeah, the last the last couple of FIFA's. I mean, like you said, I've kind of stopped playing them except for like yeah. career mode and at the very end of it. Yeah. But I gotta tell you, as the FIFA's have gotten worse these past couple of years, the soundtracks have been pretty quality. Yeah, twenty two and twenty three soundtracks have been. I mean, twenty three was just like the best of FIFA soundtracks. Yeah. But still, I mean, yeah, they've been. They've been up in their game. In fact, I haven't listened to the new FIFA soundtrack, but I'm going to have to. I, I mean, I'm not playing the game, so how else am I yeah. going to listen to it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that, a lot of tasty fixtures coming up this week, but we will sign off for now. Adios. See ya.